Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us. Jesus! God and baby. Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night. This is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your gym, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Bearded Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, probably watching porn. You have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that guy. You only fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Wednesday, May 5th, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J-Cat Morris. God, man, I got a bunch of stuff to talk about tonight. Um, before I get into any of that, though, I do believe I have my guest on the line. He is the baddest man alive, Aaron Williams. What's going on, man? Not much, brother. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, here you go, man. Oh. <laughs> he said, can you hear me? I heard him. And then he uh, dropped off. So it was about, <laughs> about the quickest uh, interview ever. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll pop right back up at any minute. Um, so, yeah, Aaron Williams will be on in a second. Yep. Hey, Sorry, what's going on? Not much, man. All right. So how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. Just, uh, you know, uh, recovering from uh, knee surgery and chilling at home and hating uh, hating being so immobile. But other than that, I'm doing good. All right, yeah. Um, well, you know, I got a bunch to ask you. I guess we'll go way back. Um, what's your earliest memories as a wrestling fan? 
you know, as a youth? Oh, man, uh, my earliest memories of a wrestling fan when I was a kid was probably, uh, I remember uh, my dad, uh, he uh, he does uh, work in garages and stuff. He paints cars. And I remember one day he blew up our garage, but uh, I was so uh, intent and eating my cereal on a Saturday morning, watching superstars, listening to Macho Man Randy Savage cut a promo that I didn't even pay attention to the exploding uh, uh, car garage in my front yard. So that's probably my earliest memory of uh, of wrestling. So, uh, so yeah, the the late '80s and stuff like that was probably my biggest uh, biggest memory and, and stuff like that. I remember crying when uh, Hogan lost to Warrior, and I kind of hate to admit that now, but you know, it's just one of those <laughs> things. Nice. So, who was your guys back then? Was it Macho Man and uh, Hogan for us? Uh, yeah, I was a Hogan guy. I was uh, more of a macho guy, and then of course like the Rockers and stuff like that. And I dug a heart foundation. There, there was um, Mr. Perfect, uh, guys like that. that really just stuck out to me as a kid. You know, their uh, bright, uh, their bright colors, and uh, you know, uh, and uh, um, interesting promos and stuff. You know, they really made you, uh, you know, pay attention. I guess, which is their job. So yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, as you were growing up, uh, what made you decide to want to be a wrestler? Um, well, um, when I, as I was growing up, I, uh, I was really into martial arts and stuff. And, uh, it was a thing my father and I had in common and, uh, we would go and rent your latest Chuck Norris or Jean-Claude Van Damme or Bruce Lee movie or whatever up at our corner video store. And whenever we would be doing that, uh, he wasn't really a big wrestling fan, but, uh, I don't know if you remember those big VHS boxes that, that the wrestling tapes used to come in. Um, yeah. And they were always, you know, so decorated and so big and so bright and colorful, so they immediately caught my eye as a kid. And whenever we'd go and uh, rent Bloodsport or something, I would see one of those, and uh, I would convince him to let me get it, and he would let me get it. He would usually fall asleep while I watched it, but I would be up to all hours of the night. Uh, watching it, and then I discovered, you know, uh, when I knew how to turn the turntile on on the TV, then I, I would figure out how to watch it myself, and uh, and that really got me into it. I think uh, when I really got into it and really realized I want to do this, uh, I think was at the height of Michael's first run uh, at WrestleMania 12. I think with the boyhood dream coming true and everything, I think that's really what made me be like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can do this. So I just kind of took my love for martial arts and put it into uh, when I could find a school to train me. And just I, I, I followed the martial arts path until I could find school. And then I did that. And the rest is kind of uh, history to some extent. Yeah. Um, now, I've had uh, the Chris on, you know, Dave and Jake, you know, a while back. Yeah, yeah, said, yeah. Uh, for the longest time, the Ohio scene, as far as training and everything, was the absolute shit. And um, yeah, they said it was really, really difficult to find somewhere good to train. And uh, you know, they've really taken initiative to try to you know make it more reputable as far as places to train since then. But um, you know, yeah, what yeah. was your experience like going into training in the area you're in? Um, man, uh, uh, my experience was was unique. I guess is the best way to put it because. Uh, at the time when I got into the business, there was really only two reputable trainers in the area. One of them was Les Thatcher with uh, Heartland Wrestling Association. 
they just uh, I think they just came off having a uh, developmental deal with the WWE at the time, and then another right. guy named Roger Ruffin, who's done a uh, he used to work for the WWE as a referee, excuse me, and uh, those were really the only two guys that uh, had a reputable. Uh, reputation for training unfortunately at that point in time i was 130 pounds uh if that soaking wet and Les thatcher would not train me like i i backyarded with a couple of guys and there was a guy who was bigger than me and he went to try and go and uh and train with Les. and Les took one look at him and said you're not big enough get out of my school and mm. so that kind of was kind of sucky but then eventually you know i, I thought it was kind of you know like well i guess i'll just yard for a while and at that time uh the backyard wrestling craze was going crazy and guys like m dog 20 and stuff were on uh on those backyard wrestling tapes and then they were starting to get work so in my warped sense of mind i kind of had the idea well i can just backyard for a while and then eventually somebody will notice me uh you know the rest will be history that of course is ridiculous um but then i uh I talked to uh, a young ma- uh, friend of mine who I hadn't talked to for a long time, and he found out that I was really into wrestling, and then he told me that he's training somewhere in Price Hill, Ohio, which is kind of a – or Price Hill, Cincinnati. Uh, it's kind of a rough part of, uh, of Cincinnati, and uh, but he was training up there, so he was like, you should come. So I went down there, and uh, I um, – I went in and saw a ring for the first time and saw people wrestling in it, like a real professional ring, you know. And I was hooked at that point. I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't even care. Like, yeah, if you're going to train, great, i got to get to business. So uh, they were saying, okay, all right, sweet, we'll train you. Uh, your first training will be next week, but we have a show this weekend. So please come out to our show and do security because now you are one of our trainees and that's what we expect of you, which I totally, you know, expected. I went to indie mm-hmm. shows all the time, so I, I knew that's how it kind of worked. So uh, I remember I went to this show, and I never heard of any of the guys that were on it or anything like that. And I went, and I started watching, and I went from, like, watching HWA shows. So I went from watching guys like Nigel McGinnis and Chad Collier and uh, uh, right. DJ Whitmer and guys like this, guys who really have a lot of skill and a lot of talent. And then I went and watched this show and immediately regretted my decision of letting these people train me, uh, yeah. so it was kind of a it was kind of a rough start for me. But then you know that turned out they they knew a lot more than I thought they did, uh, and they they were able to teach me some some good things. And uh, but then eventually it just came to the point where I needed to to move on and get better. I think that was in like uh, 2002, I think. Um, and then eventually I would find my way to uh, a. Uh, Cody Hawk ran uh, owning ownership of HWA, and then I started training with him, and that's where I met Dave and Jay and uh, John Moxley and Sammy Callahan and guys like that. Um, and that's pretty much how my uh, my start in the business got. Um, how was the transition from doing like backyard stuff to actual training? Was it like a big shock and you know difference in what you expected or? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, like I said, I did a lot of martial arts training um, okay. prior to getting into wrestling. So I kind of, I mean, as far as like, you know, taking a bump and uh, and uh, knowing how to protect yourself and stuff like that and being smart, I kind of had all that already. So uh, I kind of like, I don't want to say I zoomed through the school because 
it was a money thing. And uh, uh, basically, as soon as I gave them my last, you know, training pay, then they're like, all right, you're on this, you're on the show. Uh, was I ready to be? Absolutely not. But um, the the learning aspect of it wasn't really that hard for me at that at that level. When I got to HWA, then it got a lot more difficult uh, because uh, I was actually me and Dave and Jay were uh, riding down the road not that long ago, and we were talking about stuff like this. And uh, I uh, I informed them that I didn't know what the term chain wrestle meant until five years into the business. I had no idea wow. what what chain wrestling was until I walked into HWA one day and uh, basically the way that happened is uh, I was working on some podunk show and uh, uh, I think Cody Hawk's girlfriend at the time or something came and said there's a couple of guys down there that have potential or whatever and word got to me and a couple of other guys and we went down to HWA for like a tryout training type deal uh, Cody took one look at me after we did some drills which were terrifying to me at the time and he said all right well let's get in the ring and change wrestle and we'll see what you got and we'll see where we go from there and i had no idea what chain wrestling was so it was all just figuring out as i went uh but it turned out okay so uh yeah i think the, the transition from uh you know just average you know i don't want to say average maybe below i don't know just i'll just go with average average wrestling mm-hmm. at the time to HWA was that was a huge transition. That was that was mind boggling. And was it, you know, immediately going from like the backyard stuff to getting in there with, you know, some of these top guys like we were talking about? Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I mean, because honestly when I when I went from backyard to like actually wrestling on shows and getting a little bit of training, it really wasn't all that different. Because, you know, it wasn't like huge crowds or anything like that. And I think the only thing that they legitimately taught me about uh, wrestling at the time was you work the left side usually. And I think that's really the only thing that they really taught me that I didn't already figure out from, uh, you know, Nintendo 64 No Mercy. Um, So uh, once I got to HWA, and then I think that's also the first time I learned what an actual spot was. So there was... There was a lot of differences in uh, going and, you know, just wrestling at, you know, you know a corner place that nobody knows about to wrestling at a reputable place where people are actually making a living doing it. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was really, really intense. Uh, going from backyard to just wrestling at the place I did wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, I didn't understand it. Like, I just didn't understand the business at the time. You know, I was just doing what I was told. Uh, I remember uh, one of the weird things I thought was really, really odd, which still is kind of odd to me, is uh, when I went in there, everybody knew my background. I mean, I'm a martial artist. I'm a striker-type guy. And uh, when they finally gave me a gimmick, if you will, uh, they called me Chaz Fonsworth III, and I was a collegiate wrestler from uh, Syracuse, uh, New York, I think. And that was mm. my uh, that was my gimmick, and it made no sense to me at all because I didn't throw suplexes. I didn't do a whole lot of ground and pound stuff. I was a, I was a strike guy. And uh, they were just like, yeah, just, just go with it. And I, I, I know now that, you know, it was probably like I'm in the, uh, the dusty rose and the po- polka dot type deal. Just like uh, see if you can get something over, which, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think it mattered that much at the time, but you know, lessons learned, you know? 
So did it more or less come naturally when you actually decided to create your style and, and go with what you're going with because the martial arts background? Uh, actually, it didn't. It took me a long time to kind of get that feel because I was, for the longest time, I was really, really afraid to hurt guys. Like, I was really afraid right. of, uh, like, uh, striking them and, and jacking them up real bad. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the first guy who actually kind of pulled it out of me was Dave Chris. Uh, we worked uh, a lot during that first tenure. And, uh, I had an HWA. Basically, uh, Cody Hawk was the uh, official trainer, but Moxley did a lot of my training. And uh, and then basically it was like, you know, you work on shows and that's how you get trained because we worked weekly, you know, three times a week most of the time just for them. And uh, basically it was like, okay, there was these two guys, uh, in a tag team named Foreign Intelligence and myself and uh, my tag partner at the time, Alan Wasilition, they handed them to us for a little, or they handed us to them for a little bit, and they were like, all right, teach these guys, you know, some psychology and so on and so forth. And then when we got done with them, they're like, all right. Then they gave us to Dave and Jay, and they're like, all right, now I'll teach these guys how to, how to work spots and stuff like that. And uh, when I got in there with Dave one day, he kind of, he, he knew what I was capable of, but I was, I was very scared of it. And I remember mm-hmm. one day he, uh, he, he snapmared me over and kicked me as hard as he could in the back. And I popped up and he just snapmared me again and kicked me hard again. again. And basically he, he just kind of let me know, I'm not going to stop doing this until you kick me back. So I eventually had to. And we, we, that feud was brutal because it was kind of us beating each other up the whole time. And thankfully, we've learned a lot from that. But uh, that's that's kind of how how I kind of got in the idea of okay, I can do this, and I can I can control it, and I can I can figure out how to do stuff. It took me uh, a very long time to come up with like uh, you know an actual personality and so on and so forth. But as far as ring work goes, I think I kind of started to hit my stride probably in like uh, 2006, 2007 ish, and I'm still uh, learning to this day. So. Uh, All right. So I got a long ways to go, but you know, I think I started to come into what I'm good at. You know, um, sometime in um, 2008, IPW put you over in a Super Junior Heavyweight Tournament. Um, you know, I, I didn't see it or anything, but um, I read through the results, and uh, I mean, quite a lineup you went through, starting out with Nick yeah, Lester, man. first round. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a cool time for me. Um, I remember that actually kind of like it was it was yesterday in a lot of ways because the day before was a was an HWA show and I, like I said I grew up uh, watching HWA and everything like that and, and that night uh, on the HWA show I did a six pack challenge with uh, Johnny Gargano and Dave Christ and Dustin Ray's a few other guys that uh, unfortunately are slipping my mind right now uh, for mm-hmm. uh, the cruiserweight title and I won that. And then the next night I went to IPW and was in this tournament. And the night before I tweaked my ankle real bad. So I was working on one ankle and I go into this tournament and I mean, I had no idea, you know, how it was going to end up at the end, but, but it was, it was such a cool experience that I got to work with uh, Nate Webb, like you, you mentioned. And uh, mm-hmm. he had, uh, I beat, I beat him for the captain Morgan title that night. That was pretty cool. <laughs> and, uh, uh, then from uh, from there, I think I did a uh, triple threat with uh, Ricochet, or no, no, he wasn't Ricochet. Ruckus, it was, uh, Ruckus and Shima Zion, 
and then of course the finals with uh, with Sammy Callahan, and that actually that match you can find on YouTube. But uh, yeah, that was that was a really really cool feeling. Uh, it was really really awesome, and they kind of they kind of threw a curveball at me because uh, I was just expecting to go in and uh, put Sammy over because Sammy was really really hot at the time. And, um, mm-hmm. I was I was just really I was just excited you know to be working in the finals of that tournament because you know it was a at the time it was a very reputable tournament for for them and uh, I think for the Indiana scene um, so I was just happy to be be there and working with Sammy and uh, came down to you know we we did a spot and everything like that and I covered him and he basically bear hugged me and wouldn't let me do anything so. Uh, so I beat him, and uh, he gave me like some some words of encouragement in my ear, and uh, it was it was a really really special night for me. And I unfortunately I have a I have a trophy somewhere, and I don't even know where it is now because I've moved so many times since then. But huh. yeah, it was that was a very cool night. It was a very cool night. So you didn't know that you were going over until the actual finish? No, I had no idea. No idea. Oh wow, that's pretty intense. Um, yeah, was that their was idea cool. to more or less, uh, you know, surprise push you? I, I yeah, I think it was, and, uh, and I, it works. Well, you know, I, I was definitely surprised. I didn't see it coming. Um, and also, like like I said, Sammy was really on on the rise at that point in time, and uh, he was he was uh, I think he was starting to work uh, CCW at the time, and uh, mm-hmm. I think he was getting ready to do some stuff with ROH even. Everything he was just on fire. So you know, I was. I was just like, yeah, this is be cool and get us worth saying. And uh, yeah, the way it turned out, I guess that was the uh, that was the surprise uh, surprise thing for me. And it was cool, and uh, at the time, it worked out pretty well for me. But uh, but yeah, that was that was cool. It was very cool. Yeah. Um, another guy you mentioned before, and um, it's obviously become a really big name, is Dean Ambrose. But previously, John Moxley was it like working with him back then? Oh, dude. Uh, Mox was awesome. Like I said, uh, when I first started training at HWA, basically we'd go to trainings and, uh, you know, we do, everybody do their training. We do, we do it and everything like that. And Moxley would usually run it. And then everybody would, everybody would finish and everybody would leave. And then me and Mox would just be there. And he'd be like, Aaron, do you want to stay around and work some stuff? So of course I was like, yeah, man, let's, let's do some work. Cause, uh, you know, he was obviously a very special athlete still is. Um, so I got to work with him a ton and uh, at those early stages of me trying to figure stuff out. And then from, uh, from there, HWA kind of shut down for a little bit. And then him and I went and worked at a little place called, uh, or not a little place, but it's a pretty big place down here in Cincinnati called uh, Northern Wrestling Federation. Abyss is from there. Um, mm. And uh, we worked uh, some matches there and then we, you know, we kind of worked a lot. Uh, here and there, we had a pretty good feud at uh, HWA for a while, and then we had a, a pretty good feud at uh, IPW even uh, there for a little bit over the uh, the IPW title. Um, but yeah, Moxley was great, man. Uh, he uh, we we traveled the roads together some because uh, we we didn't find out till like he was about to move to uh, I think he was to, to Philly, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but he was about to move to Philly, and then I figured out that he lived, like, literally 20 minutes from me. So we, we literally lived 20 minutes from each other for pretty much most of our lives and never knew it and knew each other for, like, four or five years and didn't even 
know that we live like 20 minutes from each other. So for the, like that last uh, couple of months that he was there, we uh, we got to do a lot of road trips together. Dude, he was he was he was awesome because he's a really really laid back dude. It's so easy to talk to, and you know, he just kind of just kind of goes with the flow of everything. And um, he was uh, he was one of my uh, real close friends there before he moved to uh, to Philly. Uh, he helped me a lot, out a lot with, uh, with ring psychology and, uh, just throwing ideas back and forth every once in a while. Now I'll still text him, you know, we'll talk about stuff and, uh, he'll put stuff over to me and everything. It's just, it was really awesome because he's such a unique talent that he, he thinks so far outside the box. And I was really, really lucky to be able to work with him as much as I did because I, I feel like I got to learn a ton and I, I, I still apply a lot of it, pretty much all of it, to this day. Um, so, yeah, Mox, Mox is the man. But you probably yeah. already know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I'm a huge CZW fan, so I saw, you know, his whole run over there. And um, that's that's more or less where I, you know, got to know him. But, um, yeah. you know, how surreal is it seeing him on TV, headlining pay-per-views? It's pretty awesome, man. Like, honestly, it's it, it really, it's like, you know, sometimes you think you're like, oh, man, you know, if somebody's going to get it, you know, I hope it's this person. Mox is one of those guys, you know. He's he's one of those dudes that, like, I saw him work and I saw him struggle and uh, I saw all that he put into it and everything like that. I remember being on the road and neither one of us making enough money to barely do anything, so we'd have to stop at Speedway and use uh, speedy points to basically to eat, like just not having anything. I remember he had this little truck that he couldn't drive at night because he couldn't get the headlights to work. So if he drove uh-huh. it somewhere, he had to wait there until it was not night anymore before he could drive home. Like, oh, man, there was, there's so many things that, that I, I know that he went through because he, he loved the business and he wanted to be a part of it so much. And uh, I'm so glad to see that he's uh, that he's getting what he's getting. And uh, I'm sure he's a real frugal dude, so I'm sure he, he's being smart about it too. So I'm real happy for him. It couldn't have happened to a better guy, in my opinion, really. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, um, in 2009, um, same tournament, you ended up um, just going first round, but you wrestled against uh, Ricochet. Um, he's, yeah, I mean, risen and uh, you know won all sorts of tournaments in Japan and everything else, and. Um, what was it like working Ricochet? It was really cool, actually, because uh, the promoter at the time, I wasn't originally supposed to be in that tournament. I can't remember what they oh, were yeah. going to do with me, but then something happened where, uh, like, they were going to do something else with me. I think I was going to do something with Mox, actually, during that tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But then somebody had a last-minute, like, uh, ejection or where they couldn't make it or whatever. So last minute they were like, all right, uh, can you do this? And I was like, yeah, man, I'll do it. And they were like, all right, well, who do you want to work? And, you know, you can just work whoever you want. And I was like, well, I'd like to work Ricochet. And at the time, like, I've only worked him one time before when I was uh, in a tag team with my my partner, Alan. Uh, Him and I worked a tag match with uh, Ricochet and Chuck Taylor and then Scotty Vortex and Drake Younger. It was like a, a triple threat tag. And that was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun. Um so when I got the opportunity to work him, I was like, yeah, I'd like to work Ricochet. So uh, I actually just watched that match the other day. 
And uh, it was fun, man. Rick Chase, he's he's cool, man. He's 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 a charismatic dude, man. It's like it went, I remember being out there, and I'm pretty sure I went out there first. And at the time, he just I guess he got a wild hair up his butt or something. I don't know. He decided he wanted to come out to Billy Jean, and he came out with the, the fedora and a glove, and he danced all the way around the ring and everything like that. And uh, in basic Ricochet style, I mean, at that time, I was going by Astonishing Aaron Williams, which I don't know if you realize this or not. That's a terrible gimmick. There's nothing to it. It's a name. It's nothing. So I'm just some dude in a leather jacket, and he's out here, and he's dancing around. He's going to get the ring. He's going to do all these cool flips and everything like that. It's good. It, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a good match. Um, I, I really enjoyed doing it, and um, ho- hopefully someday I'll get to work him again. And uh It'll be even better, but he, he's cool, man. I've always, I've always liked that guy. Yeah, um, you had mentioned Drake Younger. Um, did you have a lot of work with him back then? Or? Unfortunately, I did not. Drake was the one guy I think I never actually got to just work at a singles match. Uh, we were both working at this little place in uh, Chillicothe, Ohio, called Man Pro, and uh, he was the champion there, and I was like the top heel on the ride, and. Uh, they like kept trying to make it happen, and then mm-hmm. something always happened, and it always fell through. So I never once really got to work Drake except for that tag match, and then I got to work at work at Battle Royal with him one time, and that was it. And I've always been so upset that I never got to. Uh, so yeah, that sucks. But Drake is amazing. He's awesome. He's probably one of the most positive dudes I've ever met. He's always in a good mood, always smiling. Mm-hmm. Such a great guy. Yeah. Um, you had um, against and teamed with Ron Mathis, who just won the Masters of Pain tournament. Um, you know, what was your feelings on him, and you know, how was that? Oh man, Mathis, Mathis, and I kind of go way back. I just mentioned uh, Bad Pro, and uh, at the time when I was the rising heel, uh, Ron Mathis was a uh, a mark in the crowd. Who, uh, and I don't say that with any. Uh, um, uh, disrespect at all because I'm a Mark too, but he was still buying tickets and still coming and sitting in the crowd and cheering for mm-hmm. me because he liked the heels. Uh, fast forward a few years and he's on shows with me and he's working and uh, he, uh, you know, he's just, you know, paying his dues and everything like that. I basically have watched Ron grow the entire, his, his whole career. Um, and he's, you know, Ron's really good. He's, he's, uh, I honestly, in my personal opinion, I think he's a little, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he, he's down, he's, he's down sold to some extent, you know, he's, he's underrated because Ron's one of those guys who can literally do anything. He can, he mm-hmm. can go out there and he can have a Southern match or, you know, a Memphis style match. He can go out there and he can do spotty stuff and go out there and he can obviously do the ultra violent, really, really hardcore type stuff. He can literally do it all and it can all be entertaining. He's a very talented guy, and uh, I'm really, really glad that things are starting to uh, uh, work well for him per- professionally, uh, and I hope it just continues to because he, uh, he's good at what he does. He really is. Um, you know, he had just won the Deathmatch tournament. Um, what's your feelings on Deathmatch wrestling? Have you been pulled in that direction at any point? Um, I actually haven't. I've never been at, really asked to do Deathmatch stuff. Um I'm pretty sure I could. It's just a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a thing of um, a 
I'm not sure if my wife would kill me or not. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, like, uh, I think I've done, I've done a few, like, uh, pretty, uh, pretty intense matches. I, I just, I am, I recently did a, um, they called it a uh, Island of Death match at Rockstar where they took, uh, barbed wire boards and bridged the gap between um, the uh, the ring and the guardrail with barbed wire boards. And okay. one of the ways you got eliminated was you got thrown over the top rope through the barbed wire, all that stuff. Uh, I did that. And uh, unfortunately for me, I blew out my knee. Uh, well, I almost blew out my knee pretty, uh, pretty close into it. So uh, I, didn't, I didn't get real deep into it, but um, yeah, uh, but I, I, I've done some some other stuff, but I've never done anything on like a big stage, you know. Like uh, I've never done like a death match tournament, or I've never done like an ultraviolet uh, stuff like that. I've done like uh, you know angles where they've ended in like big matches like that. Um, hmm. I don't really have a problem with them. They're not, I, I wouldn't necessarily say they're my cup of tea, but uh, I don't really have a problem with it either. You know, I can see why people would, would get into them. I, I, I can understand it. So, yeah, I'm not going to hate. Sure. Um, do you think it's gotten to the point now where, you know, a lot of the stuff is hard to top because it really hits some, you know, heights at different points? Um, man, it, it seems like it could very well be, but honestly, there's so much creativity now that, like, it blows my mind. Like, not just in, in that style, not just in the ultraviolet style, but just in, like, your average, you know, we, we, I guess we do call it catch-a-catch-can style. Uh, there's mm-hmm. so much creativity that, like, I really think it's the bar continuously raises. But the good thing is, which is it makes it difficult for a worker, but at the same time, it's it's very good because it means there's always consistent changes, you know. Um, I think it's just important to, you know, figure out your crowd, you know, for a worker if you uh, – if you pay attention to your crowds, you know what they want to see, and if you if you entertain them, that's all that matters. Sure. Um, so yeah, um, in 2010, you actually had a dark match for CZW, and then I think again in 2013, um, I think that was like their Ohio shows or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. What do you think it was that you know never got you brought in to CZW, you know, over in Philly or in, in Jersey? Um, well, uh, in 2010, I think it was a, uh, it was more of a, a personal deal. I had some personal issues going on at the time. And, uh, I remember I went out there and it was, it was a show in Indiana they did. Um, mm-hmm. and I worked a guy named, um, uh, I know his real name, but I, I'm totally forgetting what his work <laughs> name is. Apollo star. That's the name. Uh, okay. And I worked him and everything like that. And the match was it was good. It was a it was a it was it was a solid match. You know there was nothing wrong with it or anything like that. But uh, the uh, the the idea that uh, I was given at the time, which is very true, and you know it's it's really true no matter where you go. But if you go to CZW, you bring your absolute best. And I wanted to. You know I, I really wanted to go out there. I wanted to tear it up. And everything like mm-hmm. that. And I went out, and uh, I think we were third on the card that day. And a couple matches before us, man, they really did, they did a dynamic job, and everything like that. 
but the guy I was working with, he's kind of got an old school mentality, which there's nothing wrong with that uh, at all, and I'm not dogging it. But uh, of course, you like I said earlier, you got you totally got to pay attention to your crowds, um, mm-hmm. and I, it was obvious what this crowd wanted to see. Well, I, I went to him and I was like, hey man, um, you know, I think this crowd's gonna want to see a little bit more. And he was like, well, uh, you know, let's just uh, let's just do what we know we can do. And, you know, that's that's a good mentality. It really is. Um, so I was like, okay, well, whatever. Well, and, and in reality, we could have done, you know, a little more to stand out for ourselves, and we just didn't. Right. And uh, that on top of our uh, my, my personal problems at the time, or not problems, but our personal issues at the time, I just don't think it panned out uh, the way I would have liked it to. But, uh it, it took a while, but a couple of years later, I got uh, I got another one. Um, and when they came to uh, to Dayton, and uh, I think on that one, uh, I worked uh, a guy named Matt Taylor, and that one went pretty well. And then the next one they they that they did up there, they had me do another one, and I worked uh, I want to say uh, Drew Gulag. Yeah, I think I worked yeah. at that one, and. Uh, that one went. That one went really well. I, I really liked that. I I worked. Uh, I, I really liked working with Drew. He. I think him and I have similar styles, so I think we meshed really well together. And then when they did another one, uh, the last one they did in Dayton, uh, I worked Joe Gacy, and uh, I really liked working with him. And I think that one. Uh, I think those three together got me my uh, my spot in best of the best. Uh, which uh, was fantastic and awesome and everything like that. But yeah, that's that's pretty much where that that started. But uh, if I could go back to 2010 and you know and change things up a little bit, I probably would. But okay. what could you say? Yeah. Um, did you know a lot about CZW from you know the different guys like Sammy and whatnot who had gone over there, or you know were you seeing tapes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, uh, I definitely. Well, I've kind of always known of CCW. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty reputable company, and they've always had a quite a fan base and quite a following. So, uh, uh, I've always known about them. Uh, and then when Moxley and Sammy started to work over there and everything like that, obviously it got more and more and more uh, more into my uh, into my vision. Uh, say, uh, Moxley was actually the one who got me my uh, my spot on the two. Uh, he oh, okay. uh, he went to he went to bat for me, and uh, I think DJ just started running the company at the time. And uh, he uh, Moxley got me uh, got me the booking, and um, I went down there, and I actually I had never met DJ before. And uh, it's kind of a unique little story because uh, I go in. And, uh, there was a few people I knew there, but not not a whole lot. Like I think Drake mm-hmm. was there that night, and I obviously knew Drake and Scotty and those guys. Uh, so I went and I started introducing myself to people and everything like that. And then this uh, rather you know tall gentleman walks up to me and he says, "So you're uh, so you're Moxley's guy, right?" And I'm like, "Yes, yes, I am." And he's like, "All right, well, I've heard a lot of good things. Let's hope they're all true." And I'm like, "Okay." Like and I just kind of laughed it off, you know. It's just like, all right. He didn't tell me his name or anything like that, and you know, he just went on his way. I didn't realize till you know, I was getting you know getting ready to leave that that was DJ, and <laughs> and uh, he, he never told me his name or anything like that. And uh, and I got uh, he was the promoter in the front of the company. It's so weird. Looking back, it was such a such a unique uh, introduction to uh, to him. 
or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, or lack thereof, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, going into the best of the best, I mean, uh, you know, tournament's been running since 2001. Um, you know, when did you uh, actually hear that you were going to be part of it, and you know, how did you feel about it? Uh, oh, man, well, to be honest with you, like, I've wanted to be a best of the best for a long time. It's obviously a very uh, – prestigious tournament you know like uh, if you look back at the list of guys who participated in best of the best and then see where they are now if they aren't you know making a ton of money on tv somewhere they're making a ton of money traveling overseas somewhere like all like i don't think there's really many names that aren't regular names in any of those tournaments to be completely honest uh right so I always I always wanted to be in best of the best, and I you know I always kind of made it a little bit of a goal of mine uh, to do that. Uh, I think I started making it my like my goal because uh, after 2010, like I said, I had my personal issues. I kind of took a little bit of break for a while, but when I came back, I decided all right, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back hard. Uh, so I kind of made it my goal then. It's like I want it. I want to be in best of the best. That's my goal. Um, so uh, I started working, and opportunities started to, to happen, and the right people started to see me. And uh, I think I got word that I was actually definitely going to be in it. Um, I want to say like three months before it. I think was the mm-hmm. when I was uh, actually told that you're going to be in best of the best. Uh, and man, I was I was I was stoked. I was so excited. Um, Unfortunately, though, like uh, I had some uh, some problems with some injuries at the time, and uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Is uh, I think back in uh, what was it? I think it was October or something. I was wrestling at the show, and I was wrestling this gentleman who was uh, quite he was quite bigger than me, and uh, really, and he was dealing with a laundry list of injuries. On the, um, and uh, we're out there, and uh, we're working this match, and he's pretty hurt, so. Uh, uh, I tell him to move on on a, on something, and uh, he doesn't. He does a push-up. And long story short, I tried to cut a moonsault on him, and my knee basically just broke over his back. And oh, wow. it, it sucks pretty bad. It hurt real, real bad. So uh, I went home and iced it and then just kind of ignored it because I couldn't uh, I couldn't not make money. You know, I had to, I had to go keep working. Uh, sure. And a little while went 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 and uh, and I tweaked it again, but you know by this time I I had already taken a little bit of time off, took like a month off to let it heal, but you know and actually I took a month off to let it heal and then came back in Dayton and wrestled Tim Dobbs and got mm-hmm. in the ring and as soon as I stepped down it, it went out again, so it's, and now at this point it's gone out twice. Second time I didn't even do anything to it. Uh, right. so then I wrestled and by this time, you know, I've already taken, uh, I've already taken like a, a month off and I'm not getting any paydays for a whole month. So I was like, I can't, I can't keep doing that. So it was basically like, all right, let's go get some tape and go get a heavy duty brace and just do my thing. So basically since October, I was, you know, working like maybe, you know, 60% like, and just, and just grinning and bearing it, you know, and just trying to do my best. And so when I got the uh, the word that I was going to be at best and best, I was finally like, okay, well I got to uh, I got to go and I got to get this uh, knee checked out. So I went to the doctor mm-hmm. and uh, he told me he was basically like, um, like, well, your knee's pretty in pretty bad shape. I'm not gonna lie to you, you need to you need to slow down or it's gonna get real bad. 
I was like, well, um, all right, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, he was like, I'm not telling you to stop, but you need to slow down. But, of course, I didn't. I was just like, nope, I got to be ready for best of best. I got to go. So I kept working. I was working uh, two or three times a week, and uh, uh, and I survived, not the best of best. And uh, uh, I got to work uh, Tommy in and Caleb Conley, and it was uh, a really awesome experience. And although I didn't uh, – I didn't go as far as I would have liked to. Um, I got to be there and I got to do it and I got to achieve the goal of doing it. So um, it was awesome. The only bad thing was, is, is the adrenaline was, you know, my adrenaline was going like a hundred miles a minute, you know, my heart was right. so fast and uh, the match finally ended. And I remember rolling out to the side of the ring and kind of like, you know, taking that, uh, okay, I've, I've done it. I've achieved something type of uh of breath and uh, I stepped out of the ring and I stepped out on my left leg and I felt my knee completely go out. It was completely gone. And I had to get one of the, uh, the guys to help me walk to the back. But then luckily for me, uh, the crowd gave me a please come back chance. That kind of, that, uh, that I hyped me up again, but uh, unfortunately I went back to the doctor and he told me, yeah, you tore your ACL, you tore your meniscus. And uh, you need to get surgery. So I got to uh, I got to be there, and I got to do that, and I got to, uh, in my opinion, make some uh, get some eyes on me and uh, do some stuff I, I knew I always could do. So um, as soon as I heal up from this thing, I think uh, I think there's a lot of good in the future. Absolutely. Um, so I mean, what's the uh, recovery on on what you're going through now? Um, well, um, for the <laughs> For the average person, uh, I guess it depends on which one of my doctors you ask. One of them will tell you three months. The other one will tell you six. So uh, it's uh, the it's I guess it's a toss in the air to some extent. However, my physical therapist uh, is confidently informing me that I am probably going to set records with my ACL recovery because uh, I, I got the surgery done. Exactly, you know, last last <laughs> Tuesday, I think. Uh, I got the surgery last Tuesday, and I went in for my first physical therapy appointment on uh, Thursday. And uh, I t- took my bracing off, and I took everything off. And he took one look at it, and he's like, can you straighten that? And I did. And he was like, wow, you're already ahead of everybody else. He's like, anybody else I've, I've worked with, you're already ahead of them. So, um, and then I went in uh, – couple days ago and uh we did some work and he was like man you're doing really really good i'm 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 believing you're going to break records with this so he's like you just keep it up and 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 you'll be all right so uh i'm looking uh to being back in the ring no later than july is what i'm looking at wow so that's uh which will be uh quite a amazing feat but uh, i got good doctors i got, got me a good physical trainer or a physical therapist, and uh, got me a good wife who's taking care of me, and uh, I think uh, I think I'm going to be uh, hitting the ground running, and I'll be back at 100% again for the first time since October. So, um, if if anybody is listening and they watch me best, best, they liked what they saw. I can simply just tell you that 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 isn't even anything, because uh, you were basically watching a one-legged man on that, on that night. So. Uh, I got a lot more to offer, so I'm really, really excited to get out there and let everybody see it. 
you know, previous to the injury and everything else, obviously you're going dealing with a lot of rehab and, you know, probably a little um, somewhat of a stunted regimen. But what was your normal training regimen like previous to the injury? Oh, um, well, I'm basically I'm, I'm basically a gym rat, kind of in the gym at least five times out of the week. Um, and wrestling is pretty much my 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 income. It's it's basically my life. So my my life consists of training and uh, lifting and uh, studying, and that's pretty much it. That's that is my training. Wrestling is my training. It's it's everything that I do. And uh, uh, not to sound corny or anything, but when I decided I wanted to do this for a living, I basically said, all right, I want to do this for a living. I still take some martial arts on the side sometimes and uh, mm. and do some training in that. Um, uh, unfortunately, since I really banged up my knee, I haven't been able to. But, uh, yeah, I'll probably uh, continue in that as soon as I get healed up as well. Um, so, yeah, that's basically my training is uh, this nonstop training, I guess, is the way I look at it. Which you would think I would have more abs if that was the case, but I don't. <laughs> Not um, a very good dieter. You... Good workouter. Not a very good dieter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where'd you come up with the Baddest Man Alive uh, moniker? Um, well, like I said, uh, I did a, uh, I guess, what, I think it was like 2012 or something like that. I did a tryout with uh, the WWE. And uh, I went up there, and they really liked my work. And uh, I did my promo, and they were, and basically the way they looked at it, it's like, you did a good promo, but it, it wasn't anything. It was, it was your basic, you know, 1980s babyface promo. It's a good promo, but there was like no substance to it. They're like, with your background and everything that you bring and your look, I should be intimidated by you. You should scare me. And to be honest with you, your promo was good, but it didn't scare me. He's like, uh, I think it was uh, Matt Stryker was over the uh, the talent at the time. And he looked at me and he's like, if we were in a bar and you had a hot girl that I wanted to hit on beside you, I wouldn't go near because you're scary looking. You're mean looking. You got the, the shaved head. You got the facial hair. You just look like you could hurt somebody. And now that I know your background, I know you can hurt somebody. He's like, you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta portray that. So I left there thinking, man, this, uh, you know, uh, astonishing Aaron Williams, uh, Cincinnati Shogun stuff. This just isn't working for me. And then I went and did a uh, Ring of Honor tryout, and it was basically a very similar deal. And uh, um, they, they were like, you can cut a promo, man, but like your passion's there. You believe in yourself. It's all there, and you can work. But uh, like you just don't you don't have enough substance. So uh, I remember uh, at the time when I was working a, a shoot job, uh, I was uh, I was just you know rolling stuff around in my brain. I was just trying to think. All right, you know most people do gimmicks and they're just extensions of themselves and they're just uh, you know everything turned up to like ten. And I remember I think I was talking to Ron Mathis one day and he uh, he was telling me how he does his uh, his merchandise with. Uh, a lot of horror references because he likes uh, he likes horror movies. So he was like, I just put that out there, and that's you know part of who I am. And I got to think, I was like, man, I love martial arts movies. I love that stuff like that, and I love martial arts uh, video games. So I was like, who's somebody that I could rip off and uh, kind of take that? And immediately uh, the thought popped in my head of uh, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. And then I thought about the fact that he was actually supposed to be Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat games. Like, right. they actually wanted him to do that character. Well, Johnny Cage, 
I'll just be Johnny Cage. And that was the initial thought. Uh, and then I told one of my buddies at work about it, who uh, actually, uh, ironically, was the same guy who found me that training school in Price Hill, Cincinnati. Um, and he was like, man, he's like, I really like that idea. And he's like, let me, let, let me listen to this song that I found. And he let me listen to this song. And it was a song called The Baddest Made Alive. And then something clicked. And I was like, I'm the baddest man alive now. And uh, that's uh, that's just kind of how it went. And, like, uh, I got enough uh, background and stuff to where, you know, I can I can kind of, you know, to some extent make a, a silly claim like that and it'd be uh, somewhat legitimate. At least you'd have to think about it to argue with it. So um, it just kind of started from there. And then the, the persona just kind of took on a life of its own. Um, uh, he... Uh, I, I really enjoy the character, and I, I feel like I understand it. And and uh, since then, it's kind of all been uh, uphill from there. You know, it's been uh, just one uh, one cool thing after another. Um, that's when uh, the CZW stuff started, and that's when, uh, you know, uh, some other stuff started going. And um, I joke about it now, but it's kind of sad. Uh, you know, like I, like I told you that I started training in, like, 2002, so uh, that would make me mm-hmm. in the business for... Uh, somewhere around 15, 16 years, something like that. Gosh, I'm old. No, something like that. It's like 13, 13 years, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so uh, I've been in the business for 13 years, and I don't think I've really started to make money in headway until the last three of it. So wow. it's, uh, it's it's funny how the business works sometimes, but once you, uh, once you find something that uh, you can make tangible and grab a hold of, that makes it work, you know. Prefer to be heel or face. Um, I can I can obviously do both, but Batman Alive, he's he's kind of a jerk. He's uh, uh, the best way to put it. Has he have you ever seen Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon? No. Okay, well, there's it's this movie, and it's uh, it's this movie about this uh, this kid who uh, who thinks he's the last. Uh, the last trainee of Bruce Lee. And there's this gang leader who's a martial arts gang leader, basically. And his name is show enough. And he is like the epitome of, um, a classic Kung Fu movie, um, villain. And that's what mm-hmm. I see the baddest man alive as. I see he's just this over the top, ridiculous, uh, just dude. Who's like, Yep. I'm the biggest, baddest dog in the yard, and nobody can change my mind about it. And if you don't like it, I will make you say it. And he, uh, the baddest man alive to me is just a martial arts movie villain. So he can do, he can be a good guy. Sometimes you like him, but at the end of the day, he's he's kind of a douche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, you know, working the type of style, you know, hard hitting and everything that you do, um, it'll get you into some pretty you know, stiff matches and whatnot. Who's the toughest guy you've yeah, been yeah. in the ring with? The toughest guy I've ever been in the ring with. Man, that is a tough question. Um, but let me ponder on it for a minute. Or the second baddest um, man alive. The second baddest man alive. <laughs> um, I, I, there's been a lot of guys who've rung my bell. I can honestly say I think I've only been knocked out one time. One time I think I was knocked out, and actually Jay Chris knocked me out. Mm. He he gave me a super kick, and it knocked me out enough to where the next thing I know, I got I got a super kick, and then I'm laying on the ground. 
And then I'm laying on the ground. I'm like, what is in my mouth? And I'm feeling around, and then I just spit. And then I realize, oh, that's a hunk of my lips. And I just spit out of the air into my chest. That's awesome. So Jay Chris is the only person that can have the credit of knocking the baddest man alive out. Uh, however, I do believe I got like four concussions in a match with DJ Hyde once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, like it was. I was having this match, and then I learned like later, later in the week that every time somebody hits you and you get those little lights, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. But anytime somebody hits you and you get those little lights, that's a, that's a small concussion. And then I remembered the match that I had earlier that weekend it was with DJ and I was like, Oh man, I got like four concussions that night. <laughs> so I think I gave a few back, so it's it's probably fine. But <laughs> That's good. Um uh, what would what would you be your favorite matches if you had to put together like a three match you know uh promo D V D or whatever. Ooh man. Of all my matches ever? Yeah. Like of all the matches I've ever had, if I had to put it together, like a three. Whew, all right. Um, I mean, I don't know how I would choose one, but I would definitely probably choose one of the matches I had with Moxley. Uh, actually, there's I know the one I would choose. We had a match in uh, Norwood, Ohio one time, and uh, – uh, we, it was like a blow off to one of our angles or something. And I, uh, I remember I kicked him in the head and it actually split him open and he was bleeding like a stuffed pig everywhere. And there was so much blood. It was all over him. It was all over me. I had it caked onto my kick pads. It was crazy and ridiculous. And then when we got done and he was okay, and everybody was all right. We were like, all right, well, we have to get that match. And then somebody informed us, oh, yeah, nobody recorded that. So that match was just gone forever. I got, like, a few pictures from it from a fan, like, uh, a couple of, like, I think earlier this year or something. But that's all I have from it. And that that really upsets me. Um, I had a uh, dog collar match with Dustin Rays. Uh, I think it was in November, which – that one was pretty crazy. I'd probably put that up there. And, uh, I mean, there's so many matches I've had, but uh, I'm really proud of most of the ones I've done in the past three years or so. Um, I want to say, uh, I think me and Jake Chris did an Ironman match in December on Christmas night, and and I would probably put that on there. Yeah. All right. But I, I, I had a I had a bum knee that night too, and, and somehow him and I kicked the crap out of each other for uh, for an uh, for an hour in front of a Christmas wow. night crowd, and uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a special special night. Wow. You mentioned the match with uh, Dustin Ray's. He's got martial arts background too. Um, does that yeah, benefit yeah. you? You know, if you guys go in with each other, is it easier for you guys to work something out? Both having you know similar background. Um. In a lot of ways, yes, actually. Uh, I mean, martial arts is, is a unique thing. There's a lot of uh, a lot of different aspects of it. Oh, it, it just reminded me of another match. Uh, uh, I wrestled a match with Masada in Dayton a little while ago. If I can put four, I would put that one on there as well. Um, okay. But, uh, uh, yeah, well, he has a bit of a martial arts background. That's what it brought to my head. Um, but, yeah, um, when Dustin and I actually started working uh, – 
after I won the IPW tournament that we were talking about earlier, him and I started uh, working there, and then we started working in Ohio, and then we stopped working for a long time, and uh, we didn't see each other for a long time. And, uh, then we got back together. But, yeah, we always, uh, when we were both really, really young and healthy and limber, we uh, we'd always try to do like uh, little martial arts, little martial arty spots in our matches, and it was always fun and cool, and usually got a pretty cool reaction. So, uh, yeah, whenever you can do something like that with somebody, and you guys are both kind of like familiar, and they're like, "Hey, can you do that?" And they say, oh yeah, yeah, I can do that. Cool. Then you do that, and then I'll do this, and then we can do this, and then and then and then it's yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, it's uh, it's uh, takes my mind back to watching a uh, blood sport and kickboxer when I was a kid. So yeah. Uh, that's a lot of fun for me. Nice. Uh, I read something you posted the other day that um, at some point the Miz stopped you from watching the WWE. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he did. (laughs) Yes, he definitely did. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, dude. I don't know what it is about that guy. I just can't stand him. Maybe I feel like he just didn't work for it or something, and that he's still kind of terrible. Like, I just don't like watching him. Like he doesn't entertain me at all. Uh, as a Miz, he uh, he's like you know his stick's always kind of been the same to me, and I'm just like, ah, I just don't get it, man. How in the world did you like? Uh, how did you rise to the to to the ascent that you did? Who who in the world are you buddies with? Because I can't figure it out. Right. Like I can't. I, I seriously, I can't figure out the guy's appeal. Like if you can tell me something that would make him appealing, please do because I don't like being a, a hater, if you will. But to me, he's so bad, just so bad. Yeah. Like if, if you're gonna take, if you're gonna like, like if you're gonna take the dirt sheet and you're gonna split these two guys up, whose match would you rather watch? Would you rather watch a John Morrison match or would you rather watch a Miz match? Yeah, Morrison for sure. Of course, because it's going to be entertaining. You know, you know, you're going to see something cool. It's going to be, it's going to, you know, make you pop. It's, yeah. But the Miz is just, ah, dude. The only upside I could see is, you know, he does have that uh, ability to get on the mic and piss people off, obviously, to the point of not watching the product anymore. But, um, yeah. You know, that's about it. I mean, I, I, I did start to go back. I mean, I, I, like I like I said, I did in that post. Uh, I'm going to start going back. I'm going to start trying to watch some of those uh, some of those events and uh, and everything like that. And then it kind of made me realize, wow, like through, throughout 2011, I really didn't watch that much uh, of hmm. WWE. And uh, I was like looking at, it, I was like, man, maybe he wasn't the only one that made me stop watching. You know, like uh, hmm. the Divas Division was kind of terrible at the time. You know, I'm not a big Kelly Kelly person. Like yeah. uh, whatever, Kelly. Um, but uh, yeah, but like I was watching some of his matches. And I, I think I, today I watched uh, Money in the Bank, the one where he won the Money in the Bank right before he uh, cashed in or whatever. And right. uh, I was watching that, and and the whole Money in the Bank match, he didn't do anything. He didn't do nothing. He did nothing. He like him and Morrison like brawled a little bit, and then. He just kind of disappeared, and you didn't see him again until the very end of the match. It's like, dude, you're such a douche. <laughs> like, all these guys <laughs> killing themselves, and you're like, eh, probably fine, I'm going over. I just won't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Uh, when I did Ooh. when I did my tryout too, that didn't really help my uh, hatred for him either. Uh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> he uh, he like I, I met quite a few guys out there. Most of them were incredibly mm. pleasant dudes, very very cool. One of them was uh, was Taker. He made sure that he remembered my name, everything like that. So cool. And uh, I remember I was walking down one of the hallways and I saw the Miz and he looked up at me and he made eye contact. He immediately rolled his eyes and then walked into whatever room was immediately to his right. I don't know Miz from Adam, you know. I don't know. I don't know who he right. is, uh, and he doesn't. He doesn't know me, obviously. So, so my my wonder is just: Are you so? Are you so much of an egotistical douchebag that you can't just be like, "Oh, here's a guy. I guess you know, I'll shake his hand." <laughs> right. Wow, man. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> So, um, what's some of the stuff that you like watching now as far as, you know, just being a fan? Oh, man, I, I usually watch anything I can get my hands on, to be honest with you. I, uh, I like to, I like to pride myself into somewhat being a student of the game. I, uh, so basically I, you know, I YouTube, uh, All Japan, I do YouTube New, J- uh, New Japan, and, uh, uh, I watch Lucha Underground when I can. I try to just kind of stay up with the product and, uh. Uh, most of my buddies who have moved on and everything, I try to follow, like Ricochet and obviously uh, Ambrose and, and Callahan. I enjoy watching NXT. Um, uh, there, there's so much good wrestling out there that I, I try to just watch as much of it as I possibly can. Um, uh, I try to stay away from the stuff that sucks, which is sometimes hard to do with your, when you're a wrestler on, and you're on Facebook because, right. uh, you know, everybody tags you and everything. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've seen. I'm sure you've seen your fair share of bad wrestling, but sure. man, <laughs> dude, <laughs> it's out here. It's it's uh, it's it's kind of rough sometimes. Mm, but then, yeah. you, but my notifications just get flooded with it. I'm like, oh my gosh, you gotta drive me nuts. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know how. I don't, I don't want to be a jerk and just put it out there and be like, hey, stop sending me your crappy matches. I don't want to see them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, what are some dream matches you have with guys that you really want to work? That you oh have? man. Uh, well, like I said, I'd really like to work Ricochet again. Uh, um, there's so many, but it's it's hard to say. So I'll try to keep it in a realm of of reality. I think for like my big dream match, my big big match, I'd really like to have someday. Uh, that is probably way outside the realm of possibility. Is uh, it's RVD. Love to wrestle RVD. Um, okay. I think him and I would uh, like uh, you know do some cool stuff, and you know the the ECW fan inside me would geek out. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as like matches that I think can happen, I, I'd like to work uh, Speedball Mike Bailey. Um, I'd like to work Masada again. Uh, I'd like to work uh, Joe Gacy again. I'd like to work Adam Cole. I'd like to work uh, um, ACH. There's there's a ton of guys I'd just love to to get a chance to work with. Um, and hopefully uh, in the near future, some opportunities will start arising where uh, where I can. Uh, but right now, I think I'll, I'll put I'll put Ricochet at the top of the list right now. Currently, right, right now. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you mentioned a couple you know martial arts based guys. Um, what's your thoughts on Loki? Oh, I do like Loki. I, I, I can't I can't crap on Loki at all. I do like I do like Loki. Um I remember when uh I went and bought the first ROH D V D 
that he was on. Uh, and I uh, know it wasn't the first one. I think it was the second one. I think it was Round Robin Challenge is what it was called. Yeah, it was and with the round match. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It had him and uh, I think the first match was him and Danielson and then Danielson and – no, it was him and uh, – no, it was Danielson and Daniels and then it was Loki versus Daniels and then it was Danielson – and low-key at the main. And I remember watching it and just thinking, this guy is so far ahead of the curve on so much cool stuff that I can't even, I can't even fathom it. Uh, like, he's, he's so cool. I hear he's super stiff. But, yeah. but he's, 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 in, he's incredible to watch. I've never met him. So I don't really have an opinion on his... Uh, his uh, attitude or lack thereof or whatever. But as far as his work right. goes, he's, he's got some very, very cool things he does. Uh, he just, he's, he's good. He's good. Yeah. I, I'd, li- if um, I could, I'd like to work him. Didn't he retire not that long ago and then come out of retirement or something? Yeah, he's, he's out of retirement. I just watched him um, wrestle Dickinson and uh, yeah, that was, that was intense. Oh yeah. Yeah. I bet dude. Dude. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, um, I mean, what are your goals? What are you trying to do? You trying to make it to the WWE, Japan? Um, right now, I'm trying to make it to Japan. I, I really want to get to Japan. I want to start traveling overseas. Uh, I think I want to get to Europe uh, first. I think I'll probably try and get there first, um, unless you know an opportunity arises for me to go to Japan first. But yeah, that's. I think that's my overall goal. If I could get into the WWE, I'd take it. But my uh, my goal is to get overseas and, and to make money on on that uh, on that plane. Um, because uh, I I mean I don't want to sound arrogant or anything like that, but um, I feel like wrestling has given me a ton, you know, and uh, I feel like I've dedicated a lot of my life to it, and it doesn't owe me at all. But I think that I have a lot to give back to it. And that's what I want to do. Uh, I, I decided I wanted this to be my career a long time ago, and I have a supportive wife that uh, that helps me uh, and pushes me and everything like that. And she believes in me, so uh, I I want to I want to travel the world and I want people to know my name and I want to be one of the best in this business, uh, as anybody should, in my opinion. If you're not in this business to be good at it and not in this business to be great at it, then you shouldn't be in it. Uh, right. So that's that's my goal right now is to uh, is to travel the world and to uh, make some of those some of those jumps that uh, other guys that I have uh, had the pleasure of working with and traveling with have done. Uh, so that's that's my goal right now. Okay. Yeah, I think um, you know it's about all I got. Um, I know you're out of you know out of action for a little while, but if there's anything else you want to plug or put out there. Oh, yours. Uh, oh yeah, man. Um, I, I mean, I do a lot of YouTube stuff, and uh, I'll probably be doing a lot more stuff like that since I'm uh, sent at home. And uh, my YouTube page is pretty simple. It's just Aaron Williams. Uh, uh, if you uh, if you want to check up on how things are going with my uh, my rehab and everything like that, I have a Instagram that uh, that I uh, that I upload fo- photos on and, and give uh, and give little uh, tidbits of what's going on. Um, 
It's uh, at Planet Williams. Uh, uh, I have a Twitter. It's the same. Uh, it's the same handle at Planet Williams. Uh, and you can keep up with me and uh, see how I'm doing. Uh, I have merch, and uh, you know I can mail it to you. And I, I have PayPal thing that, uh, that we can do if uh, if anybody's interested in um, you know uh, uh, supporting the the baddest man alive as he uh, makes the baddest rehab alive um, and gets back out there and uh, and does his thing. And I think that's pretty much all the uh, the announcements that I, I need to put over right now. Um, all right. That and, uh, you know, hey, just, uh, you know, all you CZW fans out there, you just need to, you know, get on DJ Hyatt's nerves about bringing me back and uh, making him more of an impact. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you back, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And no like problem, man. Thanks for having too. me. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, anytime, brother, you just let me know, and uh, we'll get something worked out. Awesome, man. Well, um, you know, keep it up with the recovery. And like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing you back, man. All right, brother. Thank you very much, man. All right. Take care. You too, buddy. There you go. That's the baddest man alive, Aaron Williams. So I'm going to take a break, cover some other things, as I do. All right, there we go. Let me go down here, get one of these tracks. Uh, go with this one. Check it. I grew up for fucking screw up. Got introduced to the game, got an ounce and fucking blew up. Chopping rock souls the night. The nigga Biggie Small trying to turn into the black Frank White. We had to grow dreads to change our description. Two cops is on the milk box missing. Shows they told you know they got stepped on. A fist full of bullets, a chest full of Teflon. Run from the police, picture that. Nigga, I'm too fat. I fuck around and catch an asthma attack. That's why I bust back. It don't faze me. When he dropped, take his clock and I'm Swayze. Celebrate my escape, solar clock, bought some weight. Lay back, I got some money to make. Long night, it's a long night, my friend. The bar room and the back seats dead end. Sometimes I thought I saw the sunrise and good times in the end. It was just another big town With midnight neon glare Long night It's a long night, I know Frank, how we get out this shit last night Last knuckles and flashlights The heat up in the two seat cars With two meat eyes Then the recharge Just rings when you meet us He's in the city, show no city. I'm the witty one, just a crook from the brook. 
Maddie broke the neck off your coat, neck. No respect, squeeze off to all y'all diminished. Shoot out for 20 minutes until we finish. Francis M to the index phenomenal. Gun rest under your vest, body of dominant. Climb a few bars so I can buy a few cars. Then I kick a few flows so I can fit a few holes. Excellence is my presence. Never tense, never hesitate. Leave a nigga bit real quick, real sick. Wrong nights, I perform like Mike. Anyone, Tyson, Jordan, Jackson, action, back gun, ridiculous, and I'm quick to bust if my ends you touch, kids or girls you touch, in this world I clutch, two more toes, not toes, used to call me fat so, now you call me astro, my rap flows, little dick, y'all faggot dick, killing shit, oops, Chris Dow keeps spilling shit, you overdid it home, you in the danger zone, you shouldn't be alone, hold hands and say it like me, but the most shady, freshy baby, Frank White. Man, I got I had all sorts of stuff going on this past week, man, since I've last talked to you guys. Um I mean shit, I mean everything from the Mayweather fight to the uh the NFL draft, um CZW show coming up. Um as I mentioned before, um Ron Mathis won the Masters of Pain tournament against Nick Gage in the finals. Um, you know, obviously I didn't see this, but, um, you know, heard about it and everything. Uh, I think that's pretty cool for Ron Mathis and, uh, you know, saw some pictures here and there. And, uh, you know, it looked like a pretty badass tournament. Um, I mean, it's good that, uh, you know, Nick Gage saying the Pondo isn't tough didn't hurt his bookings thus far. Um, you know, I guess that is what it is there. Maybe you didn't hear about it. I don't know. But, um, yeah, man, it's good to see Nick Gage back in the full swing of things. Um, you know, up there in the finals, kicking ass. I really, really am looking forward to this weekend. Two giant matches uh, back-to-back. Um, I'll talk about those in a little bit. But um, what else has gone on with me? Um, well, uh, Monday I got my newest tattoo, which I absolutely love. And um, it's Animal from the Muppets. And uh, he's on my left arm. And I just got to put these guys over, man. The Looking Glass is the name of the joint, and uh, Kelvin is the guy who did the work on me. And uh, he's just phenomenal. I mean, I went in there. I threw him the idea. You know, I threw him what I wanted to do. And um, the guy legitimately didn't know who the fuck Animal was. Like, the guy doesn't know who the Muppets are. I mean, he might have heard of the Muppets or something, but, I mean, he would not know who Animal was if you showed him a picture of him and said, who is this? He had no idea. So it just shows his artistic ability that, um, you know, he was able to put this shit together. You know, it, it took about three hours, a little over three hours. Um, and I'm watching him do it, and I'm just falling in love with this fucking thing, man, because, you know, he was doing the nose, and he was doing the tongue on it, and you could see where, like, you didn't just make the fucking nose red. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, they can do a good drawing of something and they could, you know, color it in like a child. 
and just make it all red. You know, this is red, so make it red. No, he made, like, fucking different shades of red and orange. He would go back in with this and that. And when it was done, you know, with whatever area he was working on, it just fucking came alive. It just popped. You know what I mean? So there were so many different yellows and oranges and pinks and reds just to make it look alive, you know, so much better than it would just look if you just colored some shit in red. I mean, his artistic ability is top-notch. The guy went through art college and everything else. So we're not talking about a guy who just happened to be able to draw, got himself, you know, uh, you know, a tattoo shop and this and this. Um, guy's fucking amazing. So uh, the looking glass, it's in uh, Brick, New Jersey. Just like the um, JCW show that I'll be attending on Friday. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, for those that may question, you know, why animal? Why Why the fuck would you get that? See, my thing, and I immediately turn back in the other direction. I get very defensive. And it's not because it bothers me that people might not understand it. But it's because, as I've said many, many a times, I don't understand skulls. That's um, probably about 95% of what people have tattooed on. And I don't understand the personal significance of a skull. Uh, you know, people just tend to think it's tough. It, it's badass. I don't really I don't really agree. I mean, when you get down to an actual skeleton, that's about the least strong, powerful, tough, anything. It's dead. It's gone. It's... <laughs> All the muscle and skin is withered away, and it's it's lifeless. It, there's not a whole lot tough about that. And being dead is um, probably probably about the least tough thing you can be. Um, I know it's you know it, it's gained a ton of ton of popularity through you know horror movies and you know heavy metal and all of those type of things, but I've never really got it. It's never been my thing, which is you know it's fine. I mean. Anybody who's into it, be into it. I mean, whatever you like, like. But that's exactly my point of why I got what I got because it's something I'm into. You know what I mean? I, I don't have an explanation for what other people are into. And, you know, you don't need an explanation for what I'm into. Um, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I was always a Muppet fan as a kid. Definitely, uh, you know, a huge childhood thing of mine. I've always been a huge Jim Henson fan. Um Love all the Muppet movies and everything. Um, still a huge kid with a lot of that shit, you know? And um, Animal was my guy. Not only that, I consider myself uh, somewhat of an animal. So it was perfect for me. And on top of that, I'm really into symmetry. So my whole back is tiger-striped, hence why on you know each one of my arms, on my forearms, I have my girl's names, my daughter's names tattooed on my my forearms. Behind it, I have shading of tiger stripes, so it ties into what I have on my back. On my right arm, I have my, my niner symbol. That's red. That's the only color I have on me. So now I think, you know, okay, what do I do? Because now obviously I'm lopsided, so the next thing I get has to be something with a red tone on the other arm. Made perfect sense to me to go with, again, my favorite Muppet. And bam, this guy fucking nailed it, and uh, I couldn't be happier with this. So, um... So that's what's up. Did that Monday. And I'm um, definitely going to be going back to this guy the next time I want something done because uh, the guy is fucking fantastic. Um, also on Monday, you know, coming home from that, got to watch the season finale of Gotham. Banging ass show. Um, I gotta, I'm going to 
post some shit on Facebook because I I need more conversation about this shit. Like I you know I listen to Howard Stern too, and uh, you know he talks about how he loves the show, but um I, I've had it with these motherfuckers and their their spoiler fear nonsense. You can't even get a, an actual conversation about shit going anymore. It'll be three days later and be like, oh no no I haven't watched it. Don't say anything. So guys like Howard Stern won't even talk about how he felt about the final in detail because, oh, Robin didn't watch it or this one didn't watch it. Go fuck yourself. If you like it enough, you should have watched it. You know, and and it's just how it is. It's, you know, the same thing as sporting events. If you choose to watch the fucking football games on Wednesday when they happen on Sunday, don't be surprised if you find out who fucking won between Sunday and Wednesday, you jerk off. All the people who are diehard fucking football fans, Watch the motherfucker on Sunday. And if you, you know, for some reason aren't able to, you go out of your way because it's your fucking problem, not somebody else's, to fucking not turn the radio on or not fucking watch ESPN or anything else. I've seen people who, hey, you know, just say they're a fucking Dolphin fan, you know, my my condolences. But, um, you know, um. You know, they they work during the day, the Dolphin game's on. They recorded it. Even back in the day of VCR tapes, they recorded the motherfucker. They're working during the day. They fucking tune out. They don't listen to any radio. They, you know, uh, know, their close friends know, hey, don't shout the score at me, whatever. And then, um, you know, that night, they go home, they fucking throw the thing in, and they watch it. And half the time, you know, they might find out the score any fucking way. And sometimes that's fine because they still want to go back and watch it for themselves. People need to fall into line w- with more of that mentality. I know the DVR thing has gotten so, um, you know, common now that it's become such a, a reoccurring theme where it's like, no, no, don't tell me. I'm going to watch that shit three Wednesdays from now. Like, fuck you. Fuck you and your spoilers. I hope you learn about every fucking thing that you decided you're not going to watch for a month. And, um, you know, I hope it hurts your feelings because it, it fucking bothers me. I want to talk to a couple of motherfuckers who watch what I'm watching. And then it's like, oh, fuck. God forbid you bring that shit up. Um, fucking ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So anyway, um, you know, the, the everything was really heating up in Gotham. And uh, the storylines have just been insane throughout. Gotham has been ruled by um, two big mobs. Maroney's crew and Falcone's crew. And, um, you know, they're kind of at a standstill for the most part. They, they, they coexist and they'll do business with each other and they'll do what they have to do to coexist. You know what I mean? But those are the two crime families that, that run Gotham. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll, you know, this one owns this district and this one owns this district and that type of thing. So it's all, you know, mob run. Um, in the beginning, what you had was um, uh, Fish Mooney, who was, uh, you know, played by Jada Pinkett. She was pretty much the um, the underboss to Falcone, as well as uh, Penguin was, you know, working for that same thing. Um you know, there was a lot of this one turning on that one and this one ratting on that one. And uh, Penguin, more or less, along the way, masterminded, playing both sides of the coin, um, really jumping back and forth, turning people against each other, 
until, you know, it, it turned into a mob war because he, you know, he would do things and make it look like the one guy did it. And, uh, you know, would turn everybody against each other. Um, turns out in the end, um, uh, Maroney, the, uh, the finale goes down with Maroney getting his head blown off by, um, by fish Mooney and, um, penguin ends up throwing fish Mooney over a bridge, which to me, I think uh, because she landed in the water, she got shot in the leg or the stomach or something. But uh, because she landed in the water, um, I'm hearing Jada Pinkett is not signed on for season two. So we're not going to see her as of here, but I really think that leaves an opening for the future. Um, uh, Also, um, so right now, and Falcone, you know, escaped death, you know, and he more or less said, I'm stepping down walked away and told uh, Jim Gordon, who, you know, in the future will be Commissioner Gordon, um, hey, you know, you, you got the reins, man. This uh the city needs law right now, not uh you know, not not mob. And uh stepped down and, you know, gave him some words of encouragement. But Penguin is the crime boss of the city right now. Um also going on is um there've been a lot of development of, you know, who will be future villains. And uh, the Riddler, who was, you know, Edward Nigma, he was, um, you know, one of the medical examiners. And, uh, you know, he fell in love with another chick that worked there, you know, at the police department, who was dating like a, you know, uh, you know, like this, uh, you know, kind of like bully cop, dickhead guy. Well, he ended up getting mad about uh you know, him hitting her or something, and uh, he ended up stabbing him and killing him. So that was uh, the Riddler's first actual kill. And you could see where he's really coming unraveled as, at the season finale, and his, you know, his voice is in his head, and he's, he's going nuts. So now you go like, oh, how long is he going to hang around for before he really becomes like a super villain? So there's there's a lot of shit brewing. You know, they, they tease the Joker, Scarecrow, um Poison Ivy. I mean, they they tease so much of it. I still think Batman's a bitch, and um, he's just a little bitch kid that uh, runs around trying to get into things, and um, you know he's trying to be tough, but he, he's just a little bitch kid. I'm uh, very much so invested in the villains' characters and stuff like that. It's going to be a long time before he's the fucking Batman, and and the villains are just badass throughout. So um, I'm looking forward to stay. You know, I'm not going to be back till September. So. Uh, you know, a lot of fucking waiting, man, but uh, shit has been badass. This is, this is a fucking serious-ass show. Um, love it. Um, fuck, what, what was I just going to touch on? Um, oh, the NFL draft. Um, not going to go over the whole fucking thing, and I'm not going to go too, too heavy into the Niners stuff because um, – Frankly, I am, you know, I'm not a college fan, so I can't tell you that the guy that they picked this round or that round is is going to be a bust or not. I have no fucking idea. I mean, you know, some of the best players of all time have been picked in late rounds, so it's it's really tough to say. Um, You know, I'm obviously hoping for the best with some of these picks. Uh, The big, you know, news noteworthy thing is that um, Mariota, Mariota, uh, he went to um, Tennessee. The uh, 
the bitch-ass Eagles fans were wearing fucking hula skirts and lays and jumping around on fucking uh, Good Day Philadelphia like retards, even though they had, I think, the 20th pick in the draft or, or something along those lines. And they, you know, or the 10th, I don't know. They were fucking far enough in the draft where they were nowhere near it. But they were so convinced that they were going to trade half their shit away to the Titans and the Titans were going to bite on it. Meanwhile, the Titans need a fucking quarterback. I mean, they need, you know, they need a future. They don't have anything to really say, hey, okay, we're completely solid. I mean, Jake Locker is not proven enough to say, well, that's our fucking guy, clearly, with all the success we've been having. No. If they have a guy who might be the fucking the man, you know, in their lap, why would they fucking let that go, take fucking Sam Bradford and a shitload of draft picks and still have no legitimate answer at quarterback? Bradford goes down, so what the fuck are you left with? Which is very possible what might happen with Bradford. Um, he's a good quarterback as long as he stays healthy, but he's tremendously injury-prone, so um, you can't blame the Titans. Um Obviously, Winston went to uh, Tampa Bay. He's a Florida guy. So, I mean, it made all the sense in the world for them to take him. I guess we'll see how that pans out. Um, and then I really wanted the guy, uh, DGB, uh, Doriel Beckham Green. He's uh, supposedly a little bit of a punk ass. He's got a little bit of off, off-field uh, attitude things. But the guy is supposedly an absolute animal. Um, he's the type of guy where in practices they would have, you know, offense versus defense. They'd have to just pull him off practices because he would embarrass their defense. He was just shutting their defense down, doing things that they had no control over. It just made their defense look foolish with the way he was running routes and, and, uh, and beating them as a wide receiver. Uh, became, you know, counterproductive for him to be out there against their defense because they, they didn't know what to do with him. So um, he has the potential, if he's able to, you know, curb all the bullshit, to be a fucking amazing player. And um, I was really hoping we'd pick him. We obviously had a chance in the first round. We passed on that. Um, And uh, I don't know, man. Second round came up, and, you know, it was headed towards us. And uh, shortly before, I think it was two picks before, the Tennessee Titans picked them up. So now you got a chance of uh Mariota to fucking uh DGB connection being the talk of the fucking NFL next year. Holy shit. So um yeah, I mean that's that's basically what I want to say about the NFL draft. Big shit there. Um Mayweather Pacquiao. Let me say this. Um I actually fell asleep before it happened, because um, the motherfucker comes on at like Fucking twelve thirty one o'clock in the morning, dude, and I and I work six days a week, so um, that shit is just, just not easy on a guy like me. Um, too old for this shit. Um, and and listen, I'm not I'm not a huge boxing fan. I'm not a huge UFC fan. I have a handful of guys that I'm fans of, you know, and I and I like to watch those guys. Um, obviously, this fight had all the hype and build of the, in the world. But the thing is, is I think their biggest reason for that build, people want to hate Mayweather. Um, obviously, you know, he has his uh, woman beating past. He's, you know, did time for that. So obviously as a person, I don't like him as a person. Um, 
you know, I don't like Stone Cold Steve Austin as a person because he has a history of beating women. I don't like the Necro Butcher as a person. He has a history of beating women. I mean, that's that's a consistent trend you're going to find with me is if that's the type of person they are. I mean, I might like fucking, uh, you know, Necro Joe is one of my favorite fucking indie matches. It was just such a fucking perfect clusterfuck. And, you know, some of the stuff Stone Cold Steve Austin was doing, fantastic stuff. I mean, I could like your work and the product that you put out there, but when it comes down to as a person, do I like you? No. I mean, but the fact is, the, the facts are the facts. And the fact is, is Floyd Mayweather is one of the best defensive boxers of all time. And, it, and if anybody doesn't understand what a defensive boxer is, that's, that's not an exciting fighter. That's a guy who is going to beat you scientifically, mathematically. He's going to go out there, and he's going to outscore you. He's not going to let you knock him out, no matter how badass you are, no matter how fast you are, no matter how hard you hit, no matter how many people you put down, you're not getting him because he's that skilled defensively. That's, that's what he is. That's exactly what he is, and he's, he's nothing different than that. So expecting some kind of crazy all-out slugfest shit is not realistic. People want to pack you, pack you out and go out there and put it on them and this and this. Everybody was, you know, Pacquiao, Pacquiao, Pacquiao. They had all these videos of Pacquiao fucking shadow boxing, showing his hand speed and this and this and this and this. No talk of an injury, of course, after he loses. Now, all of a sudden, his shoulder is injured, and he might end up actually getting fined and possibly suspended from boxing because you have to, like, you know, write off a fucking waiver, more or less, like, are you hurt? Nope. Oh, fucking after the fight. Oh, I came in with an injury. Oh, well, that's fucking crazy because we asked you that shit, you know? So, you know, motherfuckers are all good until uh, they lose, and then all of a sudden people people are hurt. So I don't know what the case is. I just know um, Floyd Mayweather is as good as his record. He's unbeaten for a reason. Um, that people just didn't want to see that happen. Um and um, yeah, I mean that's that, it is what it is, and I mean it, it's crazy too because I even heard a little fucking podcasters calling him a pussy and calling him this and that. And dude, I mean first off, these little fucking podcasters love to call people pussies when they can't fight. You know, what I mean, an undefeated fighter that is considered one of the best of all time by his record. And by his dominance, is you know uh, what he's accomplished in the ring. I mean, it just it doesn't just because he's not an exciting fighter for you to watch doesn't make you qualified to call a guy who fights for a living a pussy. It just doesn't. I mean, regardless of what you think or how you feel, I mean. I guarantee you a lot of the way that these people who call them a pussy, the way that they live their day in and day out life qualifies for pussy definition far so more than a guy who fights for a fucking living. I mean, it's just fucking crazy. It's absolutely absurd for people to take this, this route pussy. I mean, I don't know what the fuck, man. 
for a casual boxing fan, including myself. Floyd Mayweather is not going to be an exciting boxer for you to watch. That does not mean he does not win the motherfucking fight. Period. I would rather watch a guy like Mike Tyson. I, you know what I mean? That that was the type of guy who I like to watch. I love to watch guys like Floyd Jones Jr. That was a guy that I like to watch, but I'm not a boxing purist. A boxing purist will watch Floyd Mayweather and tell you that he's an overall better boxer than either one of those guys when it comes down to it. And the, when his career is said and done, he's going to be seen as a better overall accomplished boxer than, than those guys. I mean, you know, Tyson obviously has his place in history, but, you know, you know, he lost to Buster Douglas and everything else. And, um, you know, there's a lot going on with his career. Obviously, heavyweight, you know, there's a big difference. I'm just saying um, the word pussy next to, you know, an unbeaten boxer is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because, I mean, you can take your fat ass into the ring and you could try to run all you want. You you think it's as simple as running and motherfuckers are going to back you into one of these corners and knock you the fuck out. I mean, not only boxers, I'd say nine out of 10 motherfuckers you encounter in life will probably knock you out in the wrong fucking situation. So pussy is a ridiculous thing to call a boxer. That shit's fucking blasphemous. So anyway, um, what else happened? Um, Oh, I got my motherfucking pepper plants, and I will be growing 37 types of peppers. And actually, I have a feeling it's going to go up to 38 because I'm going to have to go over to Vic's on, um, which is a a garden store, you know, greenhouses over here. And uh, I'm probably going to get a Hungarian wax pepper because I always do. So, which will bring me up to uh, 38 types of peppers that I'll be growing this year. I'm not going to list them off because it'll probably bore everybody, but I'll keep you updated on all the shit, you know, as these peppers pop off because um, I'm fucking hyped. So, anyway, I'll be I'll be playing those on Sunday. I got all these motherfuckers right now from, um, you know, sweet to mild to the hottest in the world, which is the Carolina Reaper and um, some bad motherfuckers out there. Anybody listen to the show in close range or anything like that, um, you know, you like hot stuff, peppers, whatever. You know, midsummer, let me know. I don't mind sharing. So, um, what's up? Um, so, shit. Um, Ron Mathis, yeah, I already hit that. Ron Mathis on MLP. Um, the, there's a situation that happened and um, over in the Midwest. There's a tournament that was going to be run, or I think is going to be run, um, quote-unquote tribute tournament for J.C. Bailey. Now, this is the second annual tournament. Now, mind you, J.C.'s been gone five years. So, to me, it already strikes me as kind of strange um, because when you start running tribute tournaments, I guess they were. I, I'm only guessing because I only know so much about this Fed. Um, I'm guessing they ran the first one last year, which would make you running a tribute tournament four years after a guy dies that worked for you. Um, it just seems very strange to me to begin with. The name of the company is CCW. So here's where they fucked up. 
They got the tournament booked. J.C. Bailey, Memorial, da-da-da-da-da. Um, the other day, they decided to put out a YouTube video. And it was marked as, like, an anonymous type thing. It was, uh, you know, cryptic and had, like, an eyeball on there. Um, I didn't get to listen to it because all the shit was going down while I was getting my tattoo. So I I didn't want to listen to the audio of it because, number one, it's it's petty shit to begin with. Um, Secondly, like, you know, it's just... Fucking, I, I get the gist of it from everybody commenting on it and, you know, writing what they're saying. So, basically, the gist of what it was was um, a voice saying, you know, uh, something about, you know, CCW, and which is crazy because by them saying CCW, people were mishearing it and saying, CCW's trying to fucking fuck with them, you know, and the friends and family of JC legitimately getting angry and trying to base their anger towards CZW, who obviously have nothing to do with this shit. So anyway, they, uh, they post a video saying, you know, naming the, the participants in the tournament saying you, you know, these guys naming them all and then saying you should all back out of this tournament. You should not perform in this, in this, uh, tournament. J.C. Bailey is not worthy of being honored, which obviously, dude, what the fuck? You know what I mean? That's going to piss everybody off, especially his fucking family and friends. And everybody's freaking out. Who the fuck would do this? Scumbag motherfuckers trying to shut down this tournament. You know, his sister's saying, you know, she's super upset about it. Uh, The reason I know is she tagged me in it. Um, and, um, well, turns out it was the fucking promoter of the fucking show to begin with. Trying to create a buzz for the show, writing all this crazy shit, uh, and, and releasing these fucking videos. Meanwhile, you're not even letting the fucking friends and family of J.C. Bailey in on the fucking, on the work. So you're you're going to release something that says like he's not worthy of a tournament and just think the family's gonna take that shit as like, oh okay, yeah, yeah, well some people hate. Like, no, motherfuckers are gonna be hugely offended by that. So these dumb carny motherfuckers decided this was a good idea to create a buzz for the fucking tournament. Dude, first off, you don't run a fucking angle. You don't run a work shoot angle for a fucking tribute show, you dumb fucking carny retard. It just it boggles my fucking mind. Number one. Number two, I, I don't know why you're running a tribute show this many years after. Um, on one hand, I, I just, you know, when I initially saw it, I do respect it because, you know, I, I had Joe Bailey on, um, JC's father, who has also passed since. He was a great dude. And um, I had him on quite a few times after J.C.'s passing. And one thing Joe was very, very clear about and um, he was very adamant about was keep his son's name alive. He would thank me again and again for, you know, doing the tribute podcast that I I did. I did two of them. And... um, you know, and, and, and for keeping his son's name alive and, you know, really wanted everybody to keep his son's name alive. 
So, you know, when you see anything with JC's name on it, that's my immediate thought is this is what his father wanted for him is for his name to still be coming up five years after his passing. JC still means something to people out there, and that's that's very important. But when it turns into these unprofessional dickheads fucking upsetting his family and friends in order to create some kind of buzz for their shit company that I've never heard before, heard of before and you know i had heard jc work for there a bunch of times and you know a bunch of other people i guess it's existed for a while but it's existed for a while without somebody like me which you know who the fuck am i but still i've never heard of it never fucking heard of it so um but it's reasons like that why i never fucking heard of it because your bright idea is to run this little work shoot nonsense obviously that same mentality didn't get you anywhere to have indie fans knowing who you are, because you don't have a mind for the business whatsoever. I mean, I guess you do enough just to stay afloat, but must not take much because, you know, what a, what a shitty idea. So those guys can go fuck themselves straight up. Um, that that set is, is, a, is a bunch of bullshit, because if you got people working for you doing that type of thing, when you're supposed to be honoring somebody, it's fucking garbage. Um what else? Um, John Cena wrestled Sami Zayn on Raw. I watched this. It was fucking awesome to see it. Uh, you know, him in there having an awesome match with John Cena. Cena worked a great match. Um, Zayn actually, you know, obviously worked a great match. And it was over there in the Montreal crowd. It was going ballistic for him. Um, I'm hoping this really sets him off on a, you know, consistent main roster um, push. I can't imagine where it wouldn't, um, you know, Pac or Nebel has gone up there and he's been absolutely killing it. So, you know, going from that to now Zayn up there, I mean, this just is more and more guys who can work their ass off, you know, on the, um, on the main roster. And, um, it, it's really good to see those guys. You know, I watch pay-per-views every month. And it's always awesome to see those names popping up. So, um, great stuff. Absolutely great stuff. Especially in front of a crowd that was just, I mean, you couldn't have marched out a more over guy than fucking Sami Zayn there. So, um, so yeah. Um, so, this Friday, I will be attending JCW in Brick, New Jersey. And all you guys should do as well because... Um, they will be having the um, oh, first time ever in JCW, they're saying, because it happened in Beyond Wrestling. And as I said, uh, they had mixed reviews, but, uh, you know, I've, I've also, you know, I saw a little clip of it. And uh, I feel like this match is absolutely going to deliver. And this will be the first time I'm actually seeing the match. And that is um, Nick Gage versus Chris Dickinson. Um, extremely excited to see this match. Um, great fucking stuff. I, this is going to be a fucking hell of a match. Um, also on the show, you have uh, Devin Storm up against Pinky Sanchez. You know, uh, people know Devin Storm as Crowbar. Uh, he was an absolute indie legend before he even really, you know, hit the the WCWs and, and whatnot and hit the, you know, the big TV shows. This guy was running the fucking Indies. 
you know, back in the day. So, um, and he's more or less went back the indie route and is just crushing it in the ring now, showing that he's still got it 100%. So, um, you got that. You got um, X-Pac and um, Scott Hall on the show, which I'm really excited to meet Scott Hall. So I get a picture of him, but whatnot. As long as he's not charging an arm and a leg for it. Um, you got Joey Janela on the show. You got fucking um, Danny D'Amato, I believe it's his company. Um, you got, a, I think it's uh, Kyle the Beast. I don't know. The Beast Squad. But um, EYFBO, the rest of the, you know, Team Pazuzu there. You got uh, Bandito Jr., Arcadia, Steve Scott. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on. Monster Mac. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's set up to be a really good show. And I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there Friday. So holla at me if, if you're there, you know. Say hi or whatever. Um, Saturday, there is a doubleheader. I will only be attending the second half because that's. Oh, I don't feel like I'm ever attending a doubleheader again, and um, I'm not a fan of the WSU product. So um, there's that as well. But you know, there's other people that are. So if you're interested in WSU and women's wrestling, go check out the early show, as well. Um, 8 p.m. The uh, CZW Proving Ground show. You have Shane Strickland returning to the combat zone. I'm not sure what he's going to be, you know, involved in, but it'll be there. A live performance by Milk Chocolate. My personal hopes and prediction is hopefully Nate Hatred returning to CZW and uh, with Nick Gage killing the two of these guys. Um, this is what I hope for. Um, you know, Nate Hatred came out there at On Point Wrestling. Um, I think it's fucking insane that um, if Nate Hatred is going to be back out, that, um, you know, out and about and wrestling shows and stuff and teaming up with Gage, that it doesn't happen in CZW. So this is my hopes and uh, expectations. Um, I think it'll be just Gage killing them if it's not Gage and Hatred, but I hope for the two of them. I, I want to see the hate club out there, goddammit. Um, anyway, four-way collision. This this is going to be a hell of a match. Fucking Joey Janela versus Jonathan Gresham versus Pepper Parks versus Caleb Conley. That's going to be badass. They should definitely make it for the number one contender for the, uh, um, I mean, shit. I don't know. I mean, I guess you got to go wired title on that. I mean, I'd like to see some of those guys up against, uh, I mean, if G's retains, I'd like to see, you know, G's Janela, G's Gresham again. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess they go wired championship. And uh, either way, uh, definitely looking forward to that match. Um, Bill Carr and Bucks Belmar versus the Beaver Boys. That should be a pretty good tag match right there. Um, Greg Excellent versus Alexander James. I, I really, I got I got nothing for this, um, as well as I got nothing for Sozio and uh, Eric Corvus. I'm a fan of Greg Excellent, and, um, you know, Sozio's a good dude, but um, I don't give a motherfuck about Eric Corvus wrestling ever. And um, I don't give a fuck about Alexander James either. So um, the two of those things, I just, uh, I, 
I really don't care. But it really doesn't matter because this show is so ridiculously stacked that that's, you know, you can hope for the best in those matches and maybe they'll pull out something, you know, surprise you. The bottom line is, that, you know, next up you got Andrew Ebert versus Trevor Lee. How fucking badass is that? My uh, dream scenario here is in July. We have, uh, I believe it's July. Um, CCW returning to the new Alhambra or whatever the fuck you want to call it arena. Um, and the young bucks are going to be there. My dream scenario is these two fucking tear it down and then fucking team up to fight the young bucks in July. That would be, uh, the way I would book that shit because fuck it. It's that that's fucking talent top to bottom. Uh, these two are going to absolutely kill it. And, um, you know, two of the best high flyers in the fucking business. I absolutely love Trevor Lee's style. He's got such a cool, um, I know it's an overused term, but unorthodox style. And uh, Andrew Everett is just fucking amazing. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a great match. Uh, you got the Deathmatch Trial Series, and it's a Panes of Glass match, the final of the Deathmatch Trial Series. Danny Havoc versus... Connor Claxton, and Connor Claxton is is the fucking future. He is the future of CZW, and um, as far as the future, I mean fucking now. Um, he is the the next coming of uh, a Danny Havoc type wrestler. You know, agile, able to work. You know, actual wrestling, and really, um, you know, get around the ring really well, and um, you know, wrestle, and just a sick motherfucker, man. Uh, his match against Lucky, insane. His match against Devin, insane. And now he's going against the fucking, what I would consider to be the leader of the Nation of Intoxication in Danny Havoc. And uh, this is going to be fucking amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Connor Claxton's already put into Tournament of Death first round against DJ. Um, you know, so that is what it is. But, um, yeah, this is um this is gonna be fucking crazy. And then you got uh five years in the making, Drew Gulak taking on the returning Nick Gage. Uh I mean I, I don't know what else you could say about this. This is just fucking amazing. Um I feel like I, I just I gotta play this fucking promo again because let me see, uh I gotta find it. Um I just feel like, you know, a lot of people have a different opinion on it. And they just see Nick Gage versus Gulak. And they go, oh, fucking Gage is going to kill Gulak and this and this. And you listen to this fucking promo and you start to realize that this match is a lot bigger than it's fucking, than it looks like. And Drew Gulak has become such a completely accomplished and world-renowned wrestler in the time that Nick Gage has been gone. I don't think Nick Gage knows what fucking Drew Gulak is capable at this point. And uh, here's a promo to Gulak cut. Nick effing Gage. It's been four and a half years since you got locked up and put in a jail. Big deal. You think I've forgotten? You think I forget so easily where we left off? No. Not Gulak. I don't forget. 
come to the ring at best of the best. I wonder why I wasn't there. I wonder why I was told it's okay. Go have your tour of Europe in April. You spent four and a half years in jail thinking about your moment, your return. You get in that ring and you start running your mouth just like you always did. But you say, for the last four and a half years, I've been in hell. You say, and the only thing that got me through was my fans. Well, bravo, that's great. I'm glad that in four and a half years, the only thing that got you through was your fans. Because I know you weren't thinking of your fans when you decided to go rob that bank. I know you weren't thinking about Combat Zone Wrestling when you decided to go threaten a girl's life. And I know you were not thinking about your home when you decided, hey, you know what? It's bad enough. Screw everybody else. I'm the king. I'm the man. How selfish were you? Were you thinking about that in jail? Because you didn't say that. You didn't come out and apologize to those people. You didn't apologize to the boys in the back. Yeah, you paid your debt to society. That's cool, Nikki. That's great. That's fantastic. But guess what? In four and a half years, Gulak's gone out, become one of the best wrestlers in the world. And this is still my home. You pay your debt to society. Fantastic. You want to be back home? You're going to pay your debt to Combat Zone Wrestling. And you know who's going to collect that debt? Me. Just like I've been collecting from everybody else who has something dumb to say. The time for talk is done. Why do you think I'm cutting this promo now? When we get in the ring at Proving Grounds, there ain't going to be none of that fuck this, fuck that. Pussy, I'm the man, I'm the king, kill them all, back on top, it's done. When you and me get in that ring at Proving Grounds, Nikki, one thing's going to happen. We're going to fight. And I guarantee you're going to be standing in that ring with a very different gulag. And you're going to be leaving that night thinking you should apologize, thinking you should pay that debt. Nothing endures but change, Nikki. Remember that when I'm smacking you across your face. Yeah, so, I mean, if that doesn't hype you up for this match, knowing that it's going to be a banger, man. This is not going to be, you know, some kind of squash match because Gage is, you know, Nick Gage and everything. This this is going to be a bad motherfucker right here. So I'm really, really looking forward to this match. Um, besides that, you also have titles on the line. You have Joe Gacy versus Mike Bailey. Bailey coming fresh off the best of the best win, and Gacy's just been on a tear with his title. So um, this is this is going to be something here. Um, and then you got uh, obviously the CZW World Heavyweight Championship. With uh, they've been teasing this for a couple months. Black G's defending against the Bulldozer Matt Tremont. So uh, you know there's so much on the line on this show. This is an absolutely stacked card. Great fucking show. I mean, all they got to do is come through on what's on paper. I mean, this shit is lined up to be, you know, definitely one to be talked about. And uh, I'll cover all this next week as well as uh, the one I uh, just got finished talking about, the JCW show. So um, I'm going to cover all that next week. 
Um, I think that's about all I got. Um, if you didn't get a chance to check out my um, my positivity podcast, please do so and uh, share it. I mean, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, some of the things I have to say are worth uh, listening to. And it's only a half hour long. I'm only doing them once in a while. It's called Through the Eyes of a Tiger. And um, you can find it at www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Yakuza backslash podcast. And just look for the episode. You know, they're all in order. So it's uh, one of the most recent ones, and it's called uh, Through the Eyes of a Tiger, episode one. Um, check it out. And, you know, as always, I mean, with this show, with that show, any show I do, anything, it's Drop me a line, shoot me a private message, whatever you want to do, feedback, comments, criticism, um, requests. I'll talk about anything you want. Um, I have an opinion on everything. So, um, yeah, man, uh, I definitely appreciate everybody listening. Um, I'll be covering all these shows next week. I'll have a lot to talk about. I'll see if I have a guest or not. Not really so sure yet. Um, What else? Um, definitely check out the sports then. Obviously, they're going to have a lot to talk about with the NFL draft and the Pacquiao fight, Mayweather, you know, Mayweather, Pacquiao, and, um, you know, all these different things. They're going to have a lot to talk about. So check out the sports then. You, know, you get their Facebook page up, and I'll have all the links right up there for you. Um, uh, Andrew Carluck, you know, check out what he's doing over at the Stern Nation page. And, um and uh, definitely check out Stephanie from Star Nation with uh, Frozen Sin. You can check that Facebook page out for her uh, her frozen treats. She's selling, uh, you know, she's got the ice cream truck type situation, making ice cream sandwiches and all sorts of things. Check her out. She's good people. And um, I believe that's all I got there. So um, let me see. I always finish talking before I uh, set up the thing. So, um, so yeah. Um, like I said, check the archives. Check uh, everything out. All right. Anyway, check you out next week. Peace. today.